Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. The Action Network Podcast, named Best Betting Podcast or Radio Show by the Fantasy Sports and Gaming Association, and the number one show for the invested sports fan. All right, here we go. From the 10, throwing end zone. Spectacular catch. They're saying it's a catch. Touchdown. You see, most gamblers, when they go to gamble, they go to win. Oh, my God. That's incredible. Big bank, small bank, I like to make money. All right. That is the ultimate kibosh. You want to bet? <laughs> and we are underway. And welcome to the Action Network Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Raybon, and this is your NFL Conference Championship betting preview. I'm joined, as always, by my Action Network colleague, Prime Minister of Degenerate Nation, Stucky. Stuck, what's going on? What did you think of the... Division around. I was a highly entertaining weekend. Um, not for those of us, including me, who are Ravens fans with Ravens futures. But, I mean, I got everything right on Sunday and everything wrong on Saturday. So, it was nice to bounce back. But Saturday, I mean, that I also added Ravens second half, Ravens live. The Bills had 114 yards in the first half. The Ravens defense was – look, the Bills missed a couple throws. But the, the Ravens defense was – full strength playing out of its mind. And the wind was obviously a factor. You saw it on field goals. You saw it on overthrows. So I was like, the Ravens have a huge advantage here, 3-3 three, three at the half. And, I mean, the whole game flipped on that pick six. And, yeah, it's fluky, and, yeah, it happens. But you got to give credit to the Bills. Lamar should have tucked it and ran probably. It was a great defensive call. They made the play. And it was funny. All week I was saying the difference is going to be either like a Marcus Peters pick six or him being beat on a double move, but it was actually a Teron Johnson Bills pick six that ended up being the difference. So credit to the Bills. Uh, happy for Bills fans. Yeah! Buffalo's happening now. We're on the moon now. The Bills are happening now. They're making it happen now. we got the spirit. A lot of spirit, yeah. we got the spirit. Just watch it happen now. Yeah, I was proud of the Ravens' defensive performance. I feel bad for the defense. But defense should be really good next year. We'll see what the offense could do. I mean, Marlon Humphrey played in the slot the whole game and, and held Beasley to, what, zero catches? Uh, I'm excited to get Tavon Young back, him in the slot, move Humphrey back outside. Lots to be excited about with the Ravens, if they can figure some things out on the offensive side. But that's a conversation for another day. Rams-Packers, look, I was wrong on the Rams' defense. The Packers carved them up. So I, I had the Rams in the under. I was a little – 
shocked that the Rams were passing so much, especially at the end. They're down seven, and they come out you got not shortening the game there, and then they go spread, and they're throwing it with Goff. They turn it over, and then Rodgers beats the Rams deep, and that was the ball game. Can't Nothing to be too mad about there. The other, I mean, the Packers' offense dominated. And then Sunday, you obviously had Mahomes get hurt, which was a huge storyline. Uh, Andy Reid, a fourth and one call, unbelievable. I mean, I think it's the first time in NFL history a team has thrown the ball on fourth down with more than 10 seconds left on the clock uh, on their own side of the field. And it happened in the divisional round with Ch- their backup quarterback. Crazy. Andy, you had a cheeseburger in celebration of the uh, AFC championship game. Is that true? I did. Good one. Just one? Yeah, but it was thick. And then, yeah, the Bucks. We're going to get to a lot of this because I think one of my main edges this late in the year where numbers are a lot sharper is I try to figure out, and this is what I spent the last couple of days doing, what defenses each team is going to play and how that's going to impact the game. One of my things that I got right last weekend is I said, look, the Bucks. I think, are going to come out and they're going to play press man. And if they do that, they're going to shut down the Saints. They can't sit in this soft zone. And that's exactly what they did. And Breeze couldn't throw it downfield. And that was the ball game. Uh, obviously, bad turnovers by the Saints, too. But uh, I was happy to see the Bucks make – top bowls make that adjustment. And uh, that's a lot of times what the playoffs are about. So excited to talk about these two games, which should be very fun, both right around a field goal spread. So they should be competitive games. Yeah, and uh, we're going to do a little kind of alternate version of the six-pack this week. I'll get to that. Uh, in a second but uh, before we kick things off a couple of quick reminders number one if you plan to bet on any sport ever and still haven't downloaded the free award-winning action network app what are you doing it's got betting tools analysis from myself Stucky and the whole action network team and it lets you track every bet that you make and number two a quick programming note about the action network podcast In addition to our football shows, we've got PGA Tour betting previews every Tuesday. And now Matt Moore and the NBA team have their NBA buffet episode every Wednesday. And of course, Stucky and Colin Wilson and Mike Randall are back with college basketball episodes every Friday. Check those out. And thank you for listening. And just as a reminder, you can follow all of our picks in the app. Just go to the Action Network app's follow feature and search for Sunday Six Pack. All right, Stuck, let's get into the Conference Championship Six Pack. Let's do it. Thirsty for action? Let's crack open the Sunday Six Pack. Well, actually, I drank three, so it's, it's going to be a three-pack this weekend. I already drank three. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> For the first time in what seems like forever, uh, I made up a little bit of ground on you, went 3-0 and on my picks. You went 1-2, and two, so I'm down six. So the way we're going to do it is uh, the market's pretty efficient here. Um, since I'm playing from behind, I'll give my picks. You'll give the analysis. It's essentially on me. Uh, we'll go 2-2-1. Two, two, to pull within one of you for the Super Bowl, and then we'll see what we do with all the props and things like that. There's no, no shortage of things to bet there, but this one's the pressure's on me right here. So to start it off on the yeah, in, in fairness, you gave me a shot to come back in the Super Bowl if I swept like five bets. I think I went like four and one. So I'm giving you a chance here. If you sweep, you get within one. You get a couple points. No matter what, you'll be within striking distance, and uh, we'll have plenty. To bet on for the Super Bowl, so uh, have to have to honor 
what you did last year and uh, make this fun. Plus, there's only two games. So, yeah, happy to get your best three, and then I'll uh, kind of either agree or rebut. Yeah, no, appreciate it. And uh, excited to at least make it a game, wait in the fourth, uh, see if I can get another uh, 3-0 and going in these playoffs. I'm going to start with the first pick of the conference championship Sunday six-pack going with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers plus three and a half at the Green Bay Packers at BetMGM, the official odds provider of the Action Network podcast. And I like Tampa Bay for a couple of reasons. Number one, earlier in the year, and this was in week six, so take it with a grain of salt, but Tampa Bay 38-10 over Green Bay, held them scoreless for the final three quarters of the game, pick six Aaron Rodgers twice, which is pretty much unheard of uh, in this day and age. His worst game of the season and otherwise just spectacular uh, campaign in which he's now thrown for 50 touchdowns with five picks. Two of them came against the Bucks. From a talent perspective, Tampa Bay can match up with Green Bay on both sides of the ball. So this is really going to come down to, to plays. And with Tampa Bay, you're getting not just a field goal, you're getting that extra half point in what I think should be a close game. You look at these teams and obviously Green Bay, the number one offense in the league, but Tampa Bay, not too shabby um, all around either. Number six in weighted defensive DVOA, number six versus number one wide receivers, number one versus uh, the wide receiver threes, fours, fives, those other wide receivers, and number six against running backs. So Tampa Bay and also number three in pressure rate. So Tampa Bay's defense, from a talent perspective, uh, can match up. We saw it in the first, you know, in the first matchup. Uh, we do know that in a non-divisional rematch, since in this current playoff format, the team that won the first game, 55 and 39, 58 and a half percent in the rematch. Uh, so that does, tends to favor the team. Uh, obviously, you have to kind of take into account other other factors. How much were they expected to win by? But just on a basic level. Um, you do see some carry over here when a team uh, matches up well the first time around. Aaron Rodgers, if you are going to slow him down at all, that you're going to have to be able to get some pressure, whether it's with blitzing, whether it's but, but ideally, you know, going back to dropping guys back and, and, and using that, that defensive line to get some pressure. 43.9% um, completion rate under pressure, 31st out of 42 qualifiers. But he – he does. He can hit the big play, and and that's you know that's what Tampa Bay has to worry about here. Um, Eighty six point seven passer rating under pressure was still sixth best. So um, they're not huge edges this week, but uh, I do like Tampa Bay here. And then the other side of the ball, Green Bay's number one offense in weighted offense. Tampa Bay's number two in weighted offense. Uh, Green Bay's defense number fourteen. That's the weakest unit in this game outside of the two special teams, which are both bottom ten. But Green Bay's defense is the weakest unit in this game. Uh, I do think Green Bay did have a home field advantage last week, so I am bumping them up uh, a little bit in terms of their home field advantage. Uh, if not, I would have this game uh, essentially a about a coin flip, but uh, I do have Green Bay as the about a two, two-and-a-half-point favorite here. Um, so I still like getting on the other side of the key number. A couple of areas I think Tampa Bay could equalize. Red zone offense for Tampa Bay, they're, they're number five, Green Bay's number 28. These are two top five offenses in the red zone, but Tampa Bay's defense is 19th, Green Bay's 28th, so that could mean the difference between a three and a seven at some point um, in, in favor of Tampa Bay. You also have uh, third and fourth down. Tampa Bay is the number three offense in DVOA, Green Bay's 23rd on defense. 
Uh, both of these teams are top three offenses, but Tampa Bay is average on defense, 14th uh, on third and fourth down in DVOA. Green Bay's 23rd. So again, uh, you just have some situational spots where uh, if Tampa Bay is going to get an edge, potentially win this game even, um, they do have some spots to, to some key spots to do it. And uh, I, one of the other reasons I like Tampa Bay uh, on offense is they do have enough weapons to match up, even if Jair Alexander shuts down one of their perimeter guys. Probably would be Antonio Brown. Looks like he's going to play uh, the knee injury, not too serious. He usually winds up on Alexander's side. Alexander has not been shadowing, but he's allowing uh, just he's allowing under five yards a target, uh, just 36 of 71 targets to be complete, so barely a 50% completion rate, just two touchdowns. So he's going to take away somebody, but uh, Tampa Bay still has uh, enough weapons uh, beyond that, I think Chris Godwin can have a, a big game here. So not a huge edge here with Tampa Bay or any of these sides or totals, but out of the four potential sides and totals, Tampa Bay is the one that I show the uh, biggest edge here. So rolling with the Bucks plus three and a half. I don't hate it, um, but I'm convinced the Packers are going to win this game. But I don't know how I'm going <laughs> to attack it yet. But uh, here's some of the things that I've been di- diving into. So in the first matchup, Rodgers was awful. It was his worst game of the season by far. Uh, again, so if you're not familiar with the, with the Bucks defense, they run a lot of 3-4. They, they run a lot of zone on the back end, and they blitz their linebackers, and they hide it very well, and the Packers simply weren't ready for it. Uh, the, all the linebacker blitzes were confusing Rodgers, and against the blitz, he was 6-17 for 63 yards, zero touchdowns, two interceptions, was sacked three times. For a 7.4 QBR. Interesting to note, he hasn't been sacked against the Blitz since that game. But one of the things that when I was back watching it was they the Packers are 32nd in the league in, in tempo in neutral situations. And they were going really slow, and Rodgers had no idea what was coming from a Blitz perspective, and he couldn't figure out the coverages on the back end. They basically zoned him for most of the game. And he was really bad against the zone. I think he was 10 of 24 for 93 yards against the zone. What I fully expect them to do here, and they've been doing it a lot, a lot better since. First of all, their, their offensive line has been better since then. Their pass protection for the running backs has been better since then. They also saw a similar defense last week in the Rams who uses an odd front. And they, and they did a tremendous job. But I fully expect the Packers to go faster here mix up a lot of tempos. They're going to get to the line quickly. They're going to use hard counts. They're going to use hard counts to get free plays. They're going to use hard counts to see where the linebackers are coming from. They're going to use more short passes because they, they drew up way too many deep passes and against the pressure that the Bucks were bringing, and they didn't know it was coming, and there was too many deep routes. So I think they're going to use the short passing game to set up the deep passing game because it's really interesting. The Packers all year have been using the rut, running game to set up the passing game. They've been a top five rushing team all year, but they're going against a Bucs team that's been top five. They're top five against the run in almost every metric. And last week, the Packers were able to run the ball, and credit to them because the Rams have been stopping the run. But the Rams don't really load the box. The Bucs do. So I, I don't necessarily think that the Packers are going to be able to get a lot on the ground against the Bucs. Vita Vea also might play. Not a huge factor for me. I, I, he'll probably be on a snap count if he does play. But the Bucs, regardless, are great against the run. But I think it'll be up to the Packers to make the adjustments here because I do expect the Bucs to play a lot of zone on the back end. Last week, they played man against the Saints, which you can do because Breeze can't throw it downfield. You know, Michael Thomas was banged up. They don't have 
the weapons and, and, and Aaron Rodgers and the passing attack that the Packers have. I think the Bucks go back to what they've done all year and they play a lot of zone on the back end. They're going to blitz and you have to, get the, you have to get pressure on Rodgers. And I think the Packers are going to be the ones to make the necessary adjustments on the other side of the ball. So I just think it was a game where everything went wrong for the Packers. They, done, they pretty much know what the Bucks are going to do, I think. Based on what I, everything that I've looked into in this game, it's and the Packers are going to be ones to make the adjustments. I don't think all the things that the Bucks did that game are going to be effective this game. And there's a lot of things that I think are going to work in favor. You know, look, home field, the weather. Tampa's a warm weather team. I know Brady won't really be impacted by it, but it's worth something. Uh, for what it's worth, Aaron Rodgers, 27-12-1 against the spread, 69%. Nice. Uh, as a favorite, as a home favorite, <laughs> under a touchdown, so it's, it's interesting. I don't know. The Bucks could come out and go man, but I think that they're going to stick with the zone. And for what it's worth, Aaron Rodgers, besides that game, from an EPA perspective, number one quarterback in the NFL against zone defenses this year. Uh, so I think it's going to be more of a short passing attack to set up the deep passing attack, more tempo. They're going to be more prepared for what the Bucks are going to bring. On the other side of the ball, it's. Really interesting to me what the Packers are going to do defensively. So the Packers last week, they generally speaking, the Packers run a lot of cover three and cover four, zone-heavy team. But they do they will play man against quarterbacks who aren't mobile. And they did that last week. They played a lot more man against Goff, but you're playing against the Rams receivers and Goff. Are they going to do that this week? And is Jair Alexander going to shadow? He's basically stayed on the left side since he came back from an injury. But if you go back to week six when these two teams played, he did shadow Mike Evans, held him to one catch for 10 yards, but Mike Evans was on one leg. I tend to think that they are going to play cover four the majority of the game, and I'll get into why. That's, the cover four has been their most successful defense. Brady this year has been hard against cover four. And you would think in the past, Brady, you don't zone Brady. You can't zone Brady. You have to press men. Those old Patriots teams, it's why the, you know, the, the Ravens used to be successful against them and the Steelers would never be successful. But this, this specific offense is not good against cover four because you take away their deep routes. And these two teams throw deep more than any other team in the NFL on a percentage basis. And one of the ways you beat cover four is you check down to running backs. And Brady doesn't really have that here. Brady doesn't, you know, he's going to throw it to Fournette. It's not like these Patriots teams where you can check down to the running backs whenever there's pressure and you're, and you're facing a zone. So I think that they're going to play a lot of cover four. I do expect Alexander to, to follow Evans because if he doesn't, what the Bucs can do is just put, even if Brown's not healthy, they'll just put Brown on him, take him away, and just say, who cares? The Rams did this last week. They just put like a running back or a tight end where Jair Alexander was and took him out. And then they'll just say, all right, we're going we're gonna to attack Chandon Sullivan in the slot and Kevin King on the outside with Godwin and Evans. I don't think the Packers want that. So I think Packers go heavy cover four. It's a different defense now. Rashawn Gary's playing out of his mind. They're getting a lot more pressure. That first time they, they played, they only got pressure on Brady five out of 27 passing plays. Last week, 50% of passing plays against the Rams, they got pressure. So it's a defense that I think has been trending up in the second half of the season. And look, Brady didn't have much success in that game. I mean, he threw for 170 yards. So I think a lot of cover four, it's going to slow down that, that Bucks deep passing attack. Um, and I think they're going to be able to get some pressure on Brady. From a prop perspective, by the way, 
A.J. Dillon, I would look for him. They've been trying to set up this deep pass to him for a while, for the last couple weeks. Um, and he's and they're gonna. I think they're going to use two, two backs a lot more than usual. A.J. Dillon catching a ball or scoring a touchdown. And then Chris Godwin. Chris Godwin's going to – I think they're going to put Chris Godwin in the slot almost the whole game. Usually I think he's like 60%, but I think they're just going to say we're putting him in there 80 90%. Shannon Sullivan's been respectable, but if I the Packers, they do play cover four where you can beat them a cover fours with those option routes in the slot. I think Godwin is going to be fed the ball. Hopefully he doesn't have drop issues. That's from a prop perspective. But I ultimately think that the adjustments this time around that the Packers will make at home will be enough. And people forget that the, the Bucks passing defense had issues in the second half of the season. I mean, remember Taylor Heineke threw on them? Um, last week they went press man. They have talented corners against a quarterback who couldn't throw it downfield. It was a dream matchup. This Packers offense has been shredding everybody. It'll be interesting to see if they can get the play action going. If they can get any rushing attack going, the Bucks are vulnerable against play action. Rodgers, 22 touchdowns, zero interceptions, led the NFL and EPA on play action. So it is a fascinating chess match. Everything that I've looked at on how I think these two teams are going to play it defensively, and I could be way wrong. That's my read on it. I think ultimately it'll be a close game. I can't fault anyone for taking you included the Bucks with the hook. I think the Packers are going to win this game. I'm going to find a way to be involved in them when it's money line or live or something. I'll get to live when we talk a little bit about the total, which I think you're going to go into next. Do you have any uh, – sorry for the ramble. Do you have any – Anything to add there yeah. from what I said? I, so I think uh, – no, that was great points. Um, I do think that one – like, I do think this offense – I think people are underestimating what the Bucks can do against Green Bay, like, offensively. Because what you saw last week was you saw – and we'll see Ronald Jones' health, but he did get 13 carries last game. You started to see uh, a two-headed running back monster emerge where Jones got 13 carries, Fournette got 17, but – Green Bay, because of that cover four style defense, they will be vulnerable underneath. I think Godwin will have a big game. But Fournette's come on with uh, nine of ten catches on nine of ten targets for 73 yards and a touchdown in the two playoff games. And I think um, they are kind of making a concerted effort to give Brady, you know, that outlet there. They're also running Cameron Brait uh, a lot more at tight end, it, you know, kind of. Gronkowski's been blocking. They've been using some two tight end sets. So I do think they'll find some ways – uh, to attack this team. And I, I, I wonder if, you know, I, I probably would shadow Evans with Jair, but I do wonder if, especially if Brown, you know, they said it's nothing serious or he's, you know, practices and, you know, he's either removed from the injury report or it's pretty presumed that he's, you know, going to be close to full health. I wonder if, you know, from a coaching perspective, they're looking at and saying, yeah, this is still Antonio Brown. Like we're not going to, we're not like there's a lot of coaches in this league that would still look at Antonio Brown as a better receiver than Mike Evans. I'm not saying Mike Pettin does or doesn't, but I don't know for sure that like I wouldn't say with a high confidence that Alexander shadows be, just because he simply hasn't done it, you know, for in, since the first half of the season. So I'm actually expecting him to stay, uh, especially if they do play cover four because you're still playing zone. You know, you could you could move them around and line up on the, the side that Evans lines up on, but that's no saying they're not going to, you know, run routes to still get them off of them. So I actually expect Alexander to be a little more stationary. I do expect Fournette to be heavily involved, but also I think Tampa Bay, because they have those threatening pass game weapons that will force green Bay. And, and what does Mike Patton do? He like, he plays that cover four. Um, he plays with a lot of defensive backs on the field. That's his that's essentially their base defense. That's why the Packers really for the last couple of years have been getting shredded in a run game. 
Tampa Bay has enough weapons to make you respect their pass game. Even if Brady, you know, could struggle a little bit, maybe it's not the best coverage matchup. Just their weapons with Brown and, and Evans and Godwin and Gronk and Bray and Fournette now coming in the past game. Like, you know, you're going to respect their, their outside weapons. You're going to respect their, you know, their pass catchers. I think you're going to see more defensive backs on the field. Tampa Bay did show a willingness last week, even against a very good Saints run defense, like, like you, and you call this, to run the ball more. And I think that really helps. So I do think Tampa Bay, again, against this weakest – you know, the weakest unit in the game is Green Bay. I think that's really where the edge comes. Like, at the end of the day, we're not expecting Aaron Rodgers to get slowed down. You know, we're, we're just trying to have the other team play, you know, keep, keep it to where it's a coin flip game and give them a chance to win at the end or at least stay within a field goal. I think Tampa can do that because of their offense in this one, not because of their defense. So that's kind of where I'm at. And, and I mean, unless you got anything to say, I'll go into the, uh, the total. I try to spend all day trying to figure out if Alexander is going to shadow. If Antonio Brown is fully healthy and they play a lot of cover four, he probably doesn't. But Brown didn't practice that because King is bigger, right? So then, like, he probably yeah. don't really want him on Antonio Brown. Yeah, he and like, don't. He's been the worst uh, corner. But if, if Antonio Brown isn't healthy, you also either don't want whoever, you know, him out there is just as a decoy – or taking Alexander out of the game for no reason. So that's it's something that I'm going to be watching. I think it's a fascinating aspect. Yeah, and that's, that's why I do like Tampa. Like, again, I think Tampa Bay covers this game, has a chance to win this game because of their offense in this spot because it's foolish to say, like, you're going to – at this point. Like, after watching what he did to the Rams, you're not, like, you're not slowing Aaron Rodgers down. But, you know, I'll put it this way. The, the, the Packers, where they put up 500-plus yards of offense on the Rams, uh, they scored 32 points. The Bucks against a very good defense in New Orleans. Now, granted, they got some turnovers, but they scored 30 points. They're capable of scoring with the Packers. And that's what they're going to have to do in this game. And I think that's why having the weapons helps. That's why having depth at receiver. I mean, I think Brown is going to be healthy. They said it's not serious. But Tyra Johnson, more talented than most number fours. And, and Scotty Miller, whoever you want to call their number four, they like Johnson a lot. But both of those guys are more talented then you're pretty much every other four or five in the league. So Tampa has options. And I think it was a little bit of a blessing in disguise for to see Aaron Rodgers shred that Rams defense. Cause that is a, a, essentially the scheme that I thought Tampa would play as well. So I think now, you know, Tampa having success in that first matchup, but also seeing what they did to the Rams. I think there'll be a little more of an edge uh, or like there won't be as much of an edge for Green Bay this time around, you know, one week to prepare instead of two. I, I just think this number is a little bit forgiving here to where, uh, I, I think this is a field goal game uh, at least half the time. So, now, again, not, it's, it's, it's conference championships. The market's efficient, but do like Tampa here. The NFL season is upon us, and our friends at BetMGM Sports are offering Action Network podcast listeners a great sign-up offer. Just make your first deposit using the bonus code ACTIONPOD and receive a 100% deposit match up to $500. They've got parlay bonus payouts, live betting markets, daily odds boosts, all sorts of great stuff. So download the BetMGM app today or visit BetMGM.com to sign up and use the code ACTIONPOD to double your bankroll with a 100% deposit match up to $500. As a reminder, you must be 21 or older and physically located in the great states of Colorado, Indiana, New Jersey, Nevada, or West Virginia. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700 in Colorado and Nevada, 1-800-GAMBLER in New Jersey and West Virginia, or 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana. Promo offer not available in Nevada. 
And now, back to the show. For the second pick of the conference championship Sunday six-pack, I'm going with Bucks Packers over 51 and a half at BetMGM, the official odds provider of the podcast. Uh, I make this uh, closer to 53, and, and that's even with adjusting down a little bit for the you know, weather. There could be a little bit of fog or whatnot, but uh, I do think that Green Bay is going to be a little more, a little more pass-heavy uh, in this game, even if it's short passes. I don't think they're going to just try to slam the ball into that stone wall, you know, Tampa Bay run defense. Uh, and when you have Aaron Rodgers passing more, you know, I, I think that leads to more points. And this Bucks team has shown numerous times they can come from behind. They have a bunch of weapons outside. Green Bay is the defense is the weakest unit in this game. So, and you mentioned it earlier, Green Bay runs at the slowest tempo on offense in the week, 32nd in situation at neutral pace, according to football outsiders. Still went 11 and six toward the over this season. I do think Green Bay speeds it up a little. I think Green Bay passes a little more. Uh, we've seen Tampa Bay, uh, a team that went t- is 10 and eight so far toward the over, but uh, a team that we have seen come back, a team that does have the weapons on the outside uh, to, to come back, a team that is willing to abandon the run uh, if need be. Uh, we know that. Uh, and a team that frankly has some advantages uh, situationally when you talk about you know the red zone, when you talk about third, fourth downs on offense that could keep drives going. That's where the Packers defense has been most vulnerable in those situational spots. So I do think this game does favor the over, barring just like a massive windstorm uh, or something like that. Uh, I, I think this game uh, favors the over. Um, so I'm going over 51 and a half. Yeah, these are two – we're playing two outdoor games here that can have weather at times. So it's something that you want to monitor. We're recording this on Wednesday night. I'm approaching both totals. We'll get to – the next game shortly, but I'm just going to speak in generic terms. I'm approaching both totals the same way. And that's from a live perspective. I want both live overs. Now let me ask, I'll start a trivia question. I'll start with a trivia question here for you. In the last 20 Super Bowls, how many had over 10 combined points in the first quarter? Last 20 Super Bowls. I'm going to say combined for over 10 points. Seven. Uh, the answer is three, and <laughs> those three were a because of a Hester re- touchdown return to open the game, and they, they're, they're, the only ones were 12, 14, and 20 points. The other one was the one that Rodgers played in. By the way, Rodgers has lost his last three NFC Championship games. It, it, Tom Brady, if he wins this game, would have as many NFC Championship games as Championship game wins as, as Aaron Rodgers, which is pretty Bang. crazy. Book it. Bucks. But uh, <laughs> three, and – why am I bringing this up? And, and the, that Rodgers game, he started off with three punts, and then there was an interception return to get it to 14 points. So why am I bringing this up? Well, let's look at conference championships and Super Bowls over the past 15 years. You've got a sample size of about 50 games. Historically, over that time, in all NFL games, teams averaged nine, about nine points per first quarter. In the first quarter of conference championship games and Super Bowls, better teams, better offenses, who, by the way, averaged – one to two more points in the second quarter, third quarter, and fourth quarter than the historical averages. Average under eight points per game, about 7.8. There's been, I think it's like 58, 60% have been under nine points. So like basically seven or fewer points scored in the first quarter. Only five of the past 32 conference championship games have got to 14 in the first quarter. So, so why is that? Well, 
and, and Super Bowls. I mean, Super Bowls, the average first quarter in the past 15 years, the average first quarter combined score is seven points, just seven points. And then it goes to 13.1. You know, it's, it's crazy. And, like, all the other quarters in these huge games, second quarter, third quarter, fourth quarter, the average points are, are higher than what they've been over the past 15 years by, you know, most times two, about two or so points. So why is that? Well, a lot of times, well, this doesn't mean anything. Like, this is a no-risk strategy for me because if they come out and they score a bunch of points, there's, these are four-point offenses, whatever, I, I'll be sitting out the total alive. But a lot of times, we're talking about all these defensive strategies, right? What are they going to do? What are these teams going to do? And it's a big game, so, like, you don't really want to make mistakes early. But a lot of times, these teams come out, and you're kind of vanilla, right? And you're trying to see what the other defense is doing, and you're trying to get a read on, all right, what are the Packers doing? Are they running cover four? Where are they, where are they, where is this team bringing pressure from? Are they shadowing Evans? Are they doing this, right? So you, and then you have your kind of your playbook. Now, there's also your scripted plays, but you're, you're kind of getting a feel for what teams are doing. And then, you know, you kind of – everything opens up. Just that's a lot, a lot of times that's how these conference championship and Super Bowls play out. So I'm taking a shot that it's going to be lower scoring early and I'm going to look for a live over, especially in this game where the second quarter, by the way, the Packers, if the Packers get behind or the Chiefs get behind – you know, the, the Bucks don't really run the ball. The Bills don't really run the ball. I, like, are these teams really going to be able to hold leads against Rodgers and Mahomes? It's going to be scary. Like, there's going to be live opportunities for both if they get down and live overs. I think both teams can answer. Second quarter, Packers are dominant. Best team in the NFL. Their margin was 50 points higher than the next best team. I think they averaged over two touchdowns per second quarter. And you have these two quarterbacks who are great in the two-minute drill, great with time management. Like, so – this, this game, both games could just blow up out of nowhere. Um, so I, I, I don't necessarily disagree with you, but I'm going to get a little greedy. I'm going to hope that it starts a little slow and uh, both defenses are tr- – both offenses are trying to get a read on what the other defenses are doing. And then I'm going to get it on a live over, try to get like under 50 to go over on in the, in the Bills game and maybe try to get like under 48 and go over in the Packers game. So um, that's how I'm hoping it starts out. Yeah, no, that's a great, that's a great point. That's a great strategy. Um, yeah, I, I like, you know, when you look at these games and, you know, there's a little more variance in totals, but I have both of these games projected a couple points higher than the, um, than, than the market. So um, that is promising and conference championship for whatever reason, probably because, you know, you do ha- tend to have the best, uh, you know, once in a while you have a really qual- high quality defense, but tend to have some, the league's best offenses. Offense tends to be defense. Uh, more often than not, uh, or at least dictate the game and in the game script. And uh, we've seen since 2002, when the NFL switched to its current uh, format, we've seen the conference championship uh, totals go 22, 12, and two toward the over. And that's with very low scoring first quarters, lower right. than yeah. normal. And, and in our Bet Labs database, uh, just looking at teams. When you average 22 and a quarter or more, uh, when both teams average 22 and a quarter or, or more, which is every team these days, but uh, 19 and 7, 73% toward the over uh, with three pushes uh, since 2003. So uh, this has been an over round generally. And, and it's, you look at the quarterbacks and even if there are, you know, so there's some plays made defensively, they could both score in a hurry if they have to. They both, um, they both have enough weapons talking about this game, but I feel, 
the same way about the the other game as well. So yeah, uh, like the Brady Rogers over fifty one and a half. I think we're discounting a little too much because of. I was impressed with the Bucks. You know, the Bucks they did what they had to do. I'm we're not I'm not going to knock them for coming out with a great game plan against New Orleans, make it you know forcing them into what was it four turnovers uh, and holding them to twenty points. And that game still hit fifty. Uh, I think the the Bucks can score thirty on the Packers. I mean, they you know they need a couple pick sixes to do it uh, in the in the first game, but I think that they absolutely can against this this Packer defense, especially you know with their running game coming alive. And, and on the other side, you know if if Aaron, I mean if the Bucks get up, I mean forget it. You know we're, we're talking about a shootout here, so uh, yeah, like I, the over fifty one and a half. Yeah, one last thing: Bucks are fourth in pace in situation, neutral situation. So they play faster, and we both think that the Packers are going to play faster in this game because uh, I think they're going to mix up tempos, they're going to use hard counts, and that's how they're going to be able to read where these blitzes are coming from and what Tampa's doing. So I, I think that you're going to have the Packers playing faster than they have all year. Is, uh, is Todd Bowles, he's interviewing somewhere this week, right? Philadelphia? Philly, yeah. If Todd Bowles can make Aaron Rodgers, if he can confuse Aaron Rodgers at the at the line this time and kind of stymie him just a little bit the way he did in the first matchup or the way they did Drew Brees, give him that coaching job. Just, just give him that coaching job, man, because uh, that would be impressive. But, yeah, no, this is a fascinating game. Small edges in terms of the numbers, going bucks, three and a half, total over 51 and a half at BetMGM, the official odds provider of the pod. Hope you're enjoying this great Action Network podcast. I want to make sure you know about the Locked On Podcast Network. Locked On has a daily podcast on your favorite team. Welcome to you, Locked On 49ers. You are locked on to the Dallas Mavericks. Welcome, everybody, to the Locked On Lakers podcast. Let's go. Locked On podcasts are hosted by the local experts who know your team better than anyone and give you the inside scoop. So go to your podcast app and search Locked On, your favorite team. Subscribe to your Locked On podcast. Also, before we get to the next game, we do have a short message from our producer, Matt Mitchell. Shout out to Matt, who's been doing a great job all year on the ones and twos. Thank you, Chris. Now, one of my favorite parts of this job is dropping in silly ass audio clips into your podcast recordings, especially coaches. Now, Mike Tomlin is one of my favorite coaches because he is so easy to gamble on or against, as has been pointed out many times on this show. Mike Tomlin was hired to coach the Pittsburgh Steelers 14 years ago today, which is about 740 years when adjusted for the average length of a head coaching job. Now, Mike Tomlin is a fun guy, and he's very outspoken, so I made a number of audio drops that I was unfortunately unable to use because the Steelers, in the opposite of a rah-rah Mike Tomlin spot. What? A rah-rah Mike Tomlin spot. The Steelers fell flat on their faces against the Cleveland Browns a couple weeks ago. So I will now play for you those drops because I simply don't want to wait until next season to have somebody else besides me hear them. All right, hit that horn, babe. Let's dance. So here's this one. Let the greatest of all time look at your work. And this one. I'm going to look at you real close today to see if you're highly conditioned and ready to go. You know what I mean? And if you're not, I'm going to put you in the news. We've got this one. I love the false enthusiasm. I'm going to see if we can make one of you guys quit today. 
And we got this one. Bring your A game today. You ain't new to this no more now. You know what I mean? Dominate this football game. And then finally, we'll just drop this one in there. My kids want to have a good Christmas. All right. Thanks a lot for listening to the show. As always, go Bills. Back to you, Chris. Let's get into the second game. And for the third and final pick of the conference championship six-pack, or should I say three-pack, going with the Buffalo Bills plus three against Kansas City. Listen. Earlier in the week, we were on the live show, Instant Reactions. I was skeptical. Uh, I didn't think I would be betting on the Bills in this round. And granted, the, the number's not too far off from what I have. I have about a point of value here. But the more I look into this game and, you know, of these two games, when I'm looking at what Tampa Bay did and, and what they did against Green Bay and how they were successful, and then I look at Kansas City and, and how they were successful against Buffalo, I'm a lot more worried about Kansas City replicating their success this time around. And the real re- the reason is there's been something to this lack of covering. You know, by now you've probably heard the Chiefs covered once in the second half of the season, didn't cover last week, you know, after a few things went wrong, obviously, for them down the stretch, but still a Cleveland team that – I think a peak Chiefs team, even with Mahomes going out late in the game, should have had, you know, should have still been able to, to blow out. Uh, shouldn't have let hang around. There was some, a, lot of, a lot of things happened in that game. But look at the, there, there's something to what, what's been ailing the Chiefs. And I wrote about this last week uh, at actionnetwork.com. It all still applies. So if you want to go uh, check it out, but the Chiefs have been horrible in situational football. And it's not just, it's situational football. In the way, in the most extreme ways that can cost you points, and they've been getting, you know, they've been getting fortunate in a lot of spots. But this, this is going to be a real challenge. So, so what do I mean by situational football? Power, uh, short yardage rushing. So third and fourth, or in one or two, or uh, any goal to go situation from the two yard line or in. Kansas City dead last on offense, converts just fifty one percent of the time. And dead last on defense, allows 78% conversion rate. You know, Buffalo, their defense is number seven in terms of stopping uh, short yardage runs. And then uh, on the other side of the ball, Buffalo's middle of the pack, but still 66% on offense to Kansas City, allowing 78%, which is absurd. Then you look at the red zone. And here's a crazy stat from the regular season Kansas City and their opponents had the same amount of red zone touchdowns. Why? Because Kansas City is dead last on defense and red zone conversion rate allowed. Uh, They're dead last in DVOA in the red zone. Buffalo's number nine on offense. And on the other side of the ball, Kansas City's number 10 on offense. Buffalo's number 11. So you have a somewhat evenly matched, at least on paper, on that side of the ball in the red zone. And red zone is what tougher to predict, but DVOA does adjust for opponent and strength of schedule and, and all that stuff. So a little, a little more reliable here, especially at this point in the season. And then you look at third and fourth downs, Kansas city on defense, number 19, Buffalo on offense, number five uh, on the other side of the ball, both of them are top five. Kansas city is a number one offense. Buffalo is a number five defense, but a lot, again, a lot closer of a matchup. The Browns, even though they score only 17 points, they go six of 13 on third down. They go three and three of three of three on fourth down. They're nine of 16 on third and fourth down. That's 
uh, and, and they, they, they score in every one of their red zone trips. So, so Kansas City at this point in the year didn't show me what they needed to show me and stuck your, your mentioned the, the fourth down play call, but they didn't show me what I wanted to see to have confidence in them covering against anyone, much less the team that is number one in weighted DVOA compared to Kansas City sixth. Weighted DVOA just means you wait, you're waiting the uh, first few games of the year a little bit uh, less and you're waiting the last few a bit more heavily to get a better sense of how a team is playing uh, at the current moment. Buffalo is the best team in the league right now. Buffalo is a better team than Kansas City. On paper, schedule adjusted, all that jazz. Kansas City doesn't have that extra week to prepare. Now they, had, they don't have that extra day. They're probably not going to practice with all their key guys at 100%. We don't know the true extent of Patrick Mahomes' toe injury, even if the head is fine. Clyde Edwards, where is he? Is he going to be 100%? He did practice Wednesday, but is he going to be 100%? I mean, Mitchell Schwartz, you have there's just, Rashad Breeland. Rashad Breeland. I mean, everyone's banged up. All the signs are there. Buffalo's the better team on paper. Buffalo's the better team in pretty much. I mean, you any situational factor that you want to compare these teams almost to a T favors Buffalo and that's concerning in where because otherwise you know it's pretty evenly matched game okay Buffalo's playing better down the stretch Kansas City has Mahomes they have Reed they've been here before they can get down by double digits and still come back we get all that that's why the three-point favorites I get it Kansas City's not much better than 50-50 to win this game much less win it by four or more so I you know I was initially skeptical because I do put weight in and Kansas City you know we, we talked about this earlier in the year coming into the year I thought Kansas City's Steve Spagnuolo scheming, excellent. Figured they would, you know, shut down uh, Lamar Jackson just because of how they had been playing him and and figured, you know, that they would do the same against Allen earlier this year. And that came to fruition. But Buffalo was injured in that game. You talked about it on the live show. Uh, Injured in that game. There was some COVID things going on. There was some weather going on. There was just disruption. It was like they were playing on Tuesdays and Wednesdays and everything's just so different. And but here's what worries me. You have, all those, you have all those situational factors that Kansas City is literally – they're just creating huge swings. Even if Kansas City has its normal Mahomes, Reed advantages, Tyreek Hill, Travis Kelsey, the great, we get it. Tyron Matthew, amazing, playing amazing out of his mind. Kansas City's defense, his pass defense, because this is what I was hanging my hat on when I was like, you know, I'm, I'm kind of skeptical of Buffalo here. Spagnuolo has come up big in some key moments against some, some tough quarterbacks. First half of the year, weeks one through eight, Kansas City, sixth in pass defense, DVOA. Second half of the year, 29th. Now, with Jerry Sneed, the rookie corner, did get hurt. He's back in the slot. Uh, that's allowed Matthew Honey Badger to um, get a little more freedom. But Honey Badger has had to kind of play, you know, in, in Thornhill spot. So it's, they haven't been able to fully take advantage of the net effect of, of getting Sneed back because Thornhill has been struggling a lot. And so they're taking him out some snaps that he's not the full-time uh, deep safety anymore. He's not the full-time, he's not full-time safety anymore, period. Um, so last week, you look at the matchup against Cleveland and Kansas City generally pretty good job, held Cleveland low 200s in passing yards, uh, 5.1 yards per play. So Ken, pretty solid game, but talked about the situational play was, was, was subpar. But Jarvis Landry, 20 yards on 10 targets, seven catches, did get a touchdown, but Tyron Matthew – um, you know, was on him uh, at, 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 at times. Matthew for that game, six targets, four catches, negative five yards, and a pick. 
I mean, he's unbelievable, right? But let's say you, you take Matthew deep from the, you put him exclusively on Cole Beasley in the slot. You say, okay, we got to stop Cole Beasley. He's a key third down receiver. Um, Buffalo scored just 17 points when, when Baltimore held them down last week, which is really 10 points because Baltimore gave up the pick six. Okay. You take out Cole Beasley completely out of the equation. You still have to deal with John Brown and Stephon Diggs and, and Gabe Davis and the cornerbacks for Kansas city last week against the subpar Cleveland receiving unit, 15 of 18 for 153 yards and a touchdown. Uh, where, where the Kansas City corners mentioned Breland is banged up. This Buffalo defense is not like Cleveland where they're going to play a whole bunch of two tight ends and bail you out and let you just be able to, if you shut down Landry, you win, you know, <laughs> against Cleveland. And, you know, the tight ends got some production, but uh, it, totally different offense. So that's also why I like the over. I think this game is going to play toward the over. Um, but I, I just don't see the normal edge. I don't see edges with Kansas City the way – you usually expect for this Andy Reid coach team. And I was a big, you know, I, I always used to shout out, like anytime I write up KC, you see me shout out Steve Spagnuolo, but, you know, Thornhill struggling. The linebackers have been banged up. They're, we know they're not good in coverage anyway. They'll play more man. They'll play more too deep, too deep shell, even in zone than, than most teams um, because they don't want to expose those corners. They want to be able to leave them uh, underneath at times and give them that, that, that help deep. But I, I just, I just don't really see that edge for KC outside of and, – and it is an edge, but Patrick Mahomes is just going to outscore you with Tyreek and Travis. And, and Mahomes is – we don't even know his status. So it's, it's Buffalo or nothing for me. Buffalo plus three go for my third pick. Yeah, I, I'm going to be on Buffalo. I think Buffalo wins this game. I think we get a Buffalo-Green Bay Super Bowl. But I'm convinced that Mahomes is going to play. And once once we keep getting good news on Mahomes, I think this line is going to go up. So I'm waiting on the three and a half, maybe even a four. I think there's also going to be, you know, conference the Super Bowl especially, but conference championships too. You can have public money that can be meaningful because there's just a lot higher volume. So you're gonna, there's going to be a lot of people say Andy Reid and Mahomes at home laying three, Super Bowl champions. So I'm waiting on the Bills to get three and a half. Again, edges are small here. I, I might just wait for more live opportunities here. I might just throw in a Packers money line, buy the Bills to plus four and a half and throw it in a parlay. I don't know. Follow the action app just for shits and then really dig in live. But, yeah, I, I agree. I mean, the, the also special teams, keep it on special teams. The yep, Bills have been number really two. good on special teams. And the, the Chiefs have especially struggled to punt and kick return coverages. So look out for Roberts. Um, I got a, I got a special and, teams nugget for you. It, well, it's related to special teams, but what the buck is going to miss an extra point. And that, <laughs> I mean, coming. besides that, this is the, av- the worst average starting field position uh, for the chiefs in the Andy Reed era this year. Uh, they've been horrible on punt returns. McCole Hardman had a 67 yarder and his other for a touchdown. And the Kansas City's still one of the worst teams in punt returns, even with that. They're one of only seven teams to return a punt. They're still uh, bottom five in punt return value. And Hardman's averaging under five yards of return on all of his other returns, like it, 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 which is inexplicable. But, yeah, they, they, everything, every possible edge, including special teams, Kansas City's giving it up this year. Yeah. Um, and, by the way, Bucker should just take the lay of games to kick extra points. He can't make 33 yards. He can only make it if it's 50-plus. But, uh, yeah, if you go back to this game, Kansas City dominated the Bills when they played in Buffalo. 
I can't believe I didn't. I got Buffalo plus six, and I bet them earlier this year at home, and they didn't get to catch that. And why did that happen? Well, basically, the, the Bills' defense is completely different. By the way, they're eighth in weighted DVOA. Yep. Treading way up. They made some schematic changes at linebacker. Edmonds is healthy now. They have Milano back. Milano didn't play that game. Also that game, they healthy scratched two starting defensive linemen in Phillips and Murphy, and they started two practice squad guys. So what did the Chiefs do? And, and then they just played way deep, and they said – Bills usually blitz a bunch. They only blitz Mahomes once that entire game, I think. And Mahomes is number one against the blitz in every single possible category. So I don't necessarily think that's stupid. But because they had these backup defensive linemen, because Edmonds wasn't healthy, because Milano wasn't in there, the Chiefs literally just – we're able to hand the ball off all day and go up and down the field, control the ball, control the clock. And, I mean, Alaire ran for, what, 160, 170 yards at a huge day. They were able to just hand it off and run up right up Most the middle. Most runs in Andy Reid era, remember? That yeah. was that game. Yeah, <laughs> so I don't think you're going to get that again. I am curious to see, I'm less sure on what we're going to get from both defenses. Are the Bills going – I think the Bills will be a little bit more aggressive. Now, their linebackers and defensive line will be able to hold up more against the run now uh, than they were that game. How much are they going to blitz? I think they're going to be more aggressive here because Mahomes isn't healthy. Throw out his throw out his uh, concussion issue. His foot is a real issue. He was not anywhere close to his mobile once he heard it. Uh, and why is Mahomes so good against the blitz? Well, number and he can move all around. He can run back. He can play, plant throw from every single angle. And also, Mahomes in the playoff his playoff runs last year, he running for fifty yards a game. His legs are such a huge weapon, and that might not be there. So that's a, 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 another thing to keep in mind here. The total, what gives me a pause here is if the Bills do do that. The Bills are really good at, at taking away explosive passes, by the way. Second in the NFL, the Chiefs struggle in that department. Another advantage for the Bills here. And these, but these are two very pass-heavy teams uh, on first downs, early downs. Two very smart teams. They kind of mirror each other in a lot of different ways. I think the Bills just have the better defense right now. They have less questions on offense with, from a health perspective. But the only thing that gives me pause for concern is eh, the weather. I guess there could be some wind, but that doesn't look like it's going to be an issue. But do the Bills just come out here again and drop everyone? Then the Chiefs are just taking what they give them, and they're going slow. The game might start like that. It's another reason why I'm waiting on the total. Uh, but once this game opens up, uh, I think the Bills can hang right with the Chiefs. And if Mahomes is – not anywhere close to 100%. I think it's going to be tougher for the Chiefs than the Bills. And uh, I think the Bills are going to find a way to pull this game out. This is a much different team than we saw the first time these two teams played. But I will say, if you want to take – if the Chiefs get behind, it's going to be scary because the Bills – look, Moss is out. They don't really run the ball. They just know how to pass, really. So, like, from if they get a big lead – this is this would this is for a live over or the over like the Chiefs could come at them and get right back in it and then the Bills are gonna have to start throwing it again like early on it could start a little slow but I don't it's gonna be hard for the Bills to go up like 10 to 14 points and then just run the clock out that's that's not gonna be that's how possible they won't do that. no they just they, they won't just do that. Won't refuse um they'll just keep passing so that's another reason why I, I think either a live over that that helps the live over or the game over but yeah I think that the the Bills are going to find a way to win this game. I do want to talk about the running game, number one. And that is why. Before, you know, I had my choice. I could, you know, go, you know, two of, you know, three of the four sides and totals combined. I chose to leave out the Bills. Chiefs over. 
um, just because I do think there is, you know, a, I guess out of all of the four, the most possibility where something could go wrong uh, in this one in, in terms of, uh, you could see, I mean, you could see the Chiefs struggle on offense. You could, you could see, you know, maybe one of those, maybe Spagnuolo pulls another one out, you know, of, of, his, of his ass, you know, McDermott. The game plans have been really good from them and, and Les, Leslie Frazier. But, yeah, I, I still do think that um, these teams, uh, just the passing efficiency and, and the fact that Kansas City's defense has just fallen off a, a lot. Uh, I think that um, you're going to get the over, but I do want to talk about the run game and like, how do we think, well, two things. Number one, how do we think both teams are going to utilize the run game? Cause I, you know, we know Kansas city, they, they play, they're one of the few teams in the league. I think more than, I believe it's more than any other team. They actually play with a two deep shell. So they'll play cover two, they'll play cover four, but I, you know, every team plays cover three, a decent amount, but They'll play cover two and four. They'll play, you know, some two man. They'll play some two zone, which is very rare for most teams. Um, so that invites the other team to run. Now, Buffalo, I think, I believe they ran one time, one handoff to Singletary in the first half against the Ravens, which was understandable after what they did with uh, to Henry. And also the Ravens, they're playing a completely different type of defense. They're blitzing more. They're playing more single high. Uh, they'll play some uh, cover zero, which is no safety back. So, Totally different defense. How do we think the Bills are going to use the run game in this one? Um, against the Colts, they did run 10, to- 10 handoffs on 58 uh, plays. The running backs, uh, when you add in the targets, saw, the, saw a look on 17 of 58. So, I mean, if you have a 65 plays or so, Singletary could approach 20 touches um, if they use that kind of game plan. And Colts do play some you know, more cover, too. They do sit back a little more, a little inviting to run as well. So some parallels. Um, and then on the other side of the ball, Kind of the same question, you know, do – if Edwards Aware is back but he's not 100%, do, do the Chiefs look at that first game and say, hey, you know, we held the Bills to 16 points. Uh, we're struggling to, 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 you know, put teams away. Mahomes is not 100%. Do they look to that same strategy or do they say, no, it's, the stakes are too high. Uh, if Mahomes is in, he's, that, that means he's good to go and we're just putting it on him to shoot it out. I don't think the Bills are going to run much at all. Um, I think that's a mistake they made against the Chiefs in that first meeting. Yeah, right. um, they ra- they threw it like only 27. They rarely had the ball, but they had like a 50-50 run pass split. The weather wasn't great in that game either. But I, I think that they're they're coming out. Like if, if the Bills come out and run the ball against this Chiefs defense, then the Chiefs are going to be happy, I think. Just from – like even though the Chiefs' run defense stinks, they they're they're been they have struggled against giving up explosive passing. And just from like an EPA perspective, an EPA per play perspective, like it's better if you the Chiefs would rather you run the ball against them than throw it. So I I think the Bills are going to come out with a pass heavy attack. It might they might run a little bit more early as they they're trying to feel out. You know you're getting you're easing Allen into the an AFC Championship game on the road. You're trying to see what the Chiefs are doing. I think the Chiefs, generally speaking, they'll take what you give them. And if the Bills are going to give them the run, the Chiefs are going to take it. So I think that from a probability perspective, the Chiefs, against two defenses that can be vulnerable against the run, although the Bills' run defense has been a lot better uh, since that Chiefs game. And by the way, since that Chiefs game, Bills' average margin of victory, 14, Chiefs, 7. And that's since week 6, week 7, week 6 or 7. So that's how much better – the bills have been like it's not not an easy schedule the other wild card here is 
everything that I look at this whole year, the Bills are the better team this year. And it's, it's a sample size of a whole season plus games. It goes back to Ken is were the chiefs just skateboarding and just cruising. So, I mean, I'm just saying that is the only thing I I don't think so either. I want to talk, just, yeah, no, I just want a quick. That's the only wild card here. I think then it's like all my numbers are way deflated on the Chiefs. Yes, they came out; they looked spectacular in the first half of this week, but that's against a horrendous Browns defense with a banged up Miles Garrett, their best player, and like nothing else. Like the Chiefs, no matter when they play the Browns, in any, on any planet, in any weather, in any situation, with the healthy Mahomes are going to score at will against the Browns defense. So I can't even take much from that first half. But that's the only wild card. Like, where are the Chiefs just waiting to flip a switch? I, I think you, can, you have to say no, and that's why I wanted to do kind of a deep dive on them heading into last week. But I would say no for the simple fact that all those situational numbers I rattled off. That's what's really going on. The Chiefs are playing ball. They're, they still got their quarterback. They, Travis Kelsey had another amazing year. Tyreek Hill had another amazing year. Patrick Mahomes had another amazing year. The running backs – Generally stayed healthy. Uh, you know, Edwards aware missed the game here or there, but they did get some injuries on the O-line. But, I mean, this team, they won 14 games. They were playing. They were just awful in situational football. And, listen, it, it's, that's situational football. By definition, sample size is smaller. That means is it, is, is it a lock that the Chiefs continue to be the worst short yardage team or the worst defensive red zone team or one of the worst third down teams on, on defense? At the same, to the same extent, it's a lock that Patrick Mahomes uh, is going to be efficient? No. But all taken together, this has been a, an issue all season long. And, and that, to me, has been the difference. I mean, these are creating huge swings. And on top of that, just from more of a like, human perspective, I don't know about you, but I don't know how you play complacent football. You know what I mean? Like, we see when they try in the Pro Bowl. That's not what the Chiefs were doing. You know, it's it's hard to be on the field gunning for 14 wins, and like, what are you holding back? You know, maybe you know, maybe you keep a play or two in the vest. You know, in, 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 you know, in the chamber. From that perspective, sure. But they weren't. It's hard to play complacent football and say I'm going to turn it on. Like that. Just it's just a really difficult, probably impossible. I would say thing to do especially winning 14 games. So I, I, I chalk it completely up to the situational issues. I think they're a huge concern. I do think the Bills are the better team. I do think the Chiefs, you know, after seeing the Packers last week in Lambeau, and the Arrowhead is, what, about 16,000 fans, if I'm not mistaken, right? Somewhere around there, yeah. Yeah, so I give them a little bit of a home field advantage. Not going to knock them here, but I shoot down that theory or that narrative of them being complacent just simply because I don't know how, and I especially don't know how you do it and still win 14 games. I just think it's one of those things that the Chiefs are really good. You see them pull out a lot of close wins, which they could do again. You know, they could, again, these markets are generally efficient, but uh, I think this is closer to a coin flip game. Uh, so at this point, I, I really don't think you can bet on the Chiefs, um, but, but I shoot down that narrative of complacency. Yeah, my only rebuttal is that, like, we did see them against the Browns in the first half. But like I said, the Browns defense was terrible. But they, against the Bucs, they – and I was on the Bucs and got a lucky cover. They were blowing out the Bucs. Against the Ravens, they came out and they destroyed the Ravens. So, there's been like these flashes of it. So, uh, it's a fascinating discussion. I'm trusting the numbers here. I want the Bills here. I think the Bills are going to win. And I also want to live over. 
and if I have the Bills and the Chiefs are down by like 10 to 14, I'll, I'll take some live Chiefs too. I am projecting the Chiefs to favored by less than a field goal, assuming Mahomes is 100%. So yeah, that, like this, this is all with Mahomes. This is not like, oh, there's a speculation. There's a slight chance that he may be out, which there is, or not 100%. But I'm projecting with him being 100%, the Bills as the better team. Um, so I just wanted to clarify that for people. But go ahead. Yeah, I'm at two and a half with home field. The Chiefs did have a bye like two weeks ago. Yeah, it's worth a tiny bit. There are a little bit of fans. So I'm at two and a half after all of that. But then – I still think that might be a little too high on the Chiefs. And then you throw in all these injury concerns. That's why I have no issues taking three or three and a half, even though I only make it two and a half and the margins are slim. But yeah, I make it two and a half, assuming both teams are healthy. From a prop perspective, or who do you, who do you think is going to have a big game? I think that in, in this one, I think we are, you know, usually the Kansas City is a, a team that allows the second few, the last two years under Spagnuolo, they, they were top two in fewest yards allowed to wide receivers. I think Buffalo spreads them out in this game. So I think, I, think, I think you do see a lot of Matthew on Beasley. I think they do want to take Beasley away. I think they do want to um, get Matthew near the line of scrimmage uh, against Josh Allen because he's also going to be a threat to run the ball. I just think they've been playing him deeper at safety over the second half of the year. First half of the year, just about four snaps per game deep. Uh, and then the second half of the year, that went up to 20.3 uh, snaps per game. So five times as many snaps per game deep. I think that in this one, they do bring him up to the line of scrimmage more. I think they do put him on Beasley. Uh, that is going to force Thornhill to play some deep safety. Uh, you're going to, you know, you're going to have Sorensen out there. But I think the from a props perspective, I think Stefan Diggs uh, is going to catch a lot of balls. I think receptions are the way you want to attack it because the Chiefs still will likely keep two safeties deep. But the Bills receivers are going to have advantages in the, the intermediate area, I think. Uh, and, and, he, and even in the short area, Sands for Beasley. So uh, Beasley would be the guy I would, if I was going with an under, I would go under his uh, receiving yards, under his receptions. But even though KC has been strong against wide receivers, I would go over on digs because I think he'll get the receptions either way, just by sheer target volume, even if the yard's not there. Um, and, and I think, you know, we saw them use John Brown in more of an intermediate, short to intermediate role against the Ravens, which worked out um, really well after he went, went catchless against the Colts. I think they continue that. Uh, so I would also go Brown over. And I would look at the Devin Singletary overs as well. As I mentioned, uh, the running back saw a target or a carry on 17 of 58 plays for Buffalo against Indianapolis. I do think we, we're closer to that here. So Kansas City is number 31 in run defense DVOA. Uh, they're 32 in short yardage, which, you know, if there is a a goal line run or something like that, you know, Singletary doesn't get a lot, but Moss is out. So he'll get them all. Um, they struggle so, to cover backs too. Yeah, and they're third. And yes, yeah, about to say, and they're thirty-one against running backs in the passing game in terms of DVOA. So, uh, Singletary kind of had the perfect storm game last week where he wasn't used much, but he's going to play pretty much every snap. Um, so he's he's another guy I'm looking for on the over. And then for the Chiefs, Travis Kelsey banged the over week in and week out, uh, and uh, and you're probably going to get it over from Tyreek. And after that, it's a crapshoot. What about you? Yep, I completely agree. I'm say, I kind of have one targeting like Godwin and Bucks. Oh, I love that. Uh, I'm targeting. I just have this. This is just more of a, a flyer uh, on Dylan 
with the Packers. Just him, him catching. He's going to catch a big ball. So I don't know if I'm, I, I don't know if I'm going to go from the score along reception of reception yards. Just that's more of a gut feeling. But they've been trying to set him up. Like they've been running him on deep routes, and I feel like the Bucks linebackers. You, if it's Aaron Jones, you're like, oh wow, I got I got to watch Aaron Jones. But like Dylan's kind of like going to be sneaky to get out and he can kind of get under the under the fold. But I'm all Singletary in with the Bills uh, in the especially in, in the pass game and short passes. Uh, the Chiefs have just their, their linebackers are so bad in that department. Uh, I know that the Bills linebackers are now healthy. Um, but I, I don't see how you don't go uh, Kelsey overs here. We've seen really good tight. I mean, look at the the Colts did with their tight ends. Uh, so yeah, I don't I don't hate Kelsey over, but Singletary and, and Godwin were probably my two favorites. Yeah, I, well, so our we have a little prop going. You know, Sean does the props on the Fantasy Flex podcast, which is out right now. Um, me, Sean, and Matt Friedman breaking down the, the DFS slate for this week. But Sean's prop this week was. On Convince Me, which you, you guys can catch uh, live at 1 p.m. Uh, this Sunday, uh, we'll be giving our top, our, our top sides, totals, and props. But, you know, there's nine bets on Convince Me. Friedman, Corner, and I each get three. So the prop was, are we going to hit more bets or is Chris Godwin going to catch more passes? So I actually went Godwin because I think he has the upside. Even if we went a perfect 9-0, I think Godwin could catch 10 balls in this game, just given the potential game script and the matchup. So I, I'm all over Godwin as well. I agree. Yeah. And speaking of the playoffs, BetMGM has a great sign-up offer for this weekend's NFL slate. New customers bet $1 to win 100 in free bets. If any team scores a touchdown, just sign up and make your first bet using bonus code ACTION100. Download the BetMGM app today or visit BetMGM.com to sign up and use the code ACTION100 to bet $1 and win 100 in free bets if any team scores a touchdown this weekend. As a reminder, you must be 21 or older and physically located in Colorado, Indiana, New Jersey, Nevada, or West Virginia. Please gamble responsibly. Have a gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700 in Colorado and Nevada, 1-800-GAMBLER in New Jersey and West Virginia, or one 800 9 with it in Indiana promo offer not available in Nevada or Pennsylvania. Uh, one more thing I want to get your thoughts on stuck before we get out of here, because do try to cover this thing from every angle. And we've talked a lot about Buffalo and this kind of goes into Kelsey and dealing with him uh, as well as the run game. If Edwards Lair is healthy, but we've talked a lot about Buffalo, Matt Milano's return and the schematic changes. And you've been all over this. Just kind of break down a little bit, like more for the people that may not understand what you're talking about, like what Buffalo is doing differently linebacker wise uh, and why it's been uh, so successful. Yeah, I mean, basically, they just kind of started lining them up differently. Now it opens them up a little bit to explosive runs. Uh, basically, they're getting Edmonds outside of the defensive end and they're just freeing them up in space. They're also using AJ Klein more as a blitzer which is where he excels. I mean, that's his strongest suit by far. He's not great in coverage. He's not great against the run. Pass rush, he's an 80. His tackling, he's a 37. His run D is a 29. Oh, my God. <laughs> those, are like, a... those are like if you like edited the created player, uh, edited the rosters on Madden and just like like completely like upped his strengths and, and, and ticked down his weaknesses. That's, that's ridiculous. Yeah, so they've been using him more as a blitzer, and 
just from an alignment perspective, it's really freed up their linebackers. And then obviously get, having Edmonds healthy, getting Milano back healthy, it's just done so much for this entire defense. On top of all of that, uh, I mean, AJ Clemens, the defensive player of the week in the AFC one week. Like, uh, against Seattle, he had like the game of his life. He was all over Russell Wilson. But they, they also have Teron Johnson, who, who God, I can't, uh, it makes me sick saying his name as a Ravens fan and, and backer because he had to pick six. But he earlier this year was, and last year, was a liability in the slot. Like there was no doubt about it. You look at this Bills defense, you know, some of the main weaknesses were their run defense, but that was kind of. A little run funnel defense, but Teron Johnson, you know, and then you say like when Josh Norman is in there, it's pretty weak. But they don't get great safeties. Their defensive line was inconsistent early on in the year. It's why they benched, you know, two of their starters against the Chiefs. Defensive line playing a lot better in the second half, a lot better second half of the year. Linebackers now healthy, change the alignments using Klein differently. You know, you have Trey White, a lockdown corner. You have two great safeties. They don't give up anything deep. You have Levi Wallace back healthy. And then one of the other weaknesses that's always been is Teron Johnson was the liability in the slot uh, since, for whatever reason, and a lot of these changes happened after the bye week. Um, after the bye week, which I think for the Bills was week 11, I think the week before then he played really well too against Arizona. But basically after the bye week, he's been tremendous. And so they don't even have a weakness in the slot any longer because Teron Johnson has been really good. So when you look at this Bills defense in the first half of the year, and people say last year this Bills defense was so good, it was so good. It really wasn't that great. It was good, but they played every single backup quarterback in the NFL. I mean, you go look at their schedule. It was an absolute joke. Just like the Patriots. Their schedule was a joke. And they played like third stringers, fourth stringers. So if their defense was not as good as the numbers indicated last year. But this year – since the bye, they made some chain defensive alignment changes with the linebackers. Milano's healthy. Edmonds got healthy. Defensive line playing better. And Teron Johnson has now elevated his game to where he's a, a legit slot cornerback that can be trusted out there. And Levi Wallace is now healthy. So, like, the defense now is really good. And that's why they're eighth-weighted DVOA. It, it speaks to all those changes. So that's my rant on the Bills' defense. And just to kind of close the loop on, on that, I'll just give you some numbers on Matt Milano and how impressive – uh, he's been out of 98 qualified linebacker in pro football focus uh, who played at least 20% uh, of the snaps. This is, includes the postseason. Matt Milano allows a passer rating of just 81.8. That's 10th best out of 98 qualifiers. He allows a catch rate of just 66.7, which is for a linebacker, uh, that is really good. It's actually tied for fourth best out of 98 linebackers. Uh, but not only that, even though A.J. Klein, you know, we know, you know, the coverage grade isn't there. That's not his strong suit. Uh, but A.J. Klein is 17th in uh, catch rate allowed, and he's allowing just a, a 94 rating. And anytime you're under 100 for a linebacker because they, get, they give up so many high percentage passes, uh, whether it's the tight ends or running backs, uh, you're usually doing a good job. A.J. Klein is 27th. Uh, of 98 qualifiers and passer rating allowed. So, and, and Buffalo linebackers do have to cover tight ends. Like we saw Milano on Mark Andrews on a few snaps uh, last week and, and making plays. So yeah, these linebackers are playing just so much better. And Matt Milano, you know, just to speak to his versatility, 17 pressures is tied for 11th most uh, among linebackers. This includes regular and postseason. Matt Milano's 
played only 12 games. This is in comparison to linebackers that have played a full season and some even that have played as many as 18 games. And so Matt Milano is doing it all. This defense has a high ceiling. I'll put it that way. So having these four teams left is kind of fitting for 2020. These are teams, the Bucks, the exception, they're dominant run D just because of how they play. But these are teams that people have questions about their run defenses in the NFL. It's not that big of a deal. Um, you'd rather have teams run against you. These have been four of the best quarterbacks in the NFL this year. And these are four of the teams that pass the most on early downs. And it's, it's kind of how you succeed in the NFL today. I also expect all four teams, because they're going up against, on the other side of the field, good offenses and good quarterbacks. This will help the over. One of the reasons points are up in 2020 is aggressiveness on fourth downs. I expect a lot of aggressiveness on fourth downs across the board, which doesn't always get baked into the number if, if there's going to be extra aggressiveness that's not baked in. I think we see that. I think we see that throughout the throughout both games. You can't look at Aaron Rodgers or Tom Brady or Mahomes or Josh Allen and say, oh, yeah, you're just going to punt it away. Like, why? I'm really liking Buffalo the more I dig into this. And when you split it up by downs and, and, and runner pass, so first down rushing, first down passing, and, and then first down you know, run and pass, Buffalo is top nine in every situation, but first down rushing, they're 29th, and third and fourth down rushing, they're 22nd. Kansas City's defense is 25th against first down runs and dead last against third and fourth down runs. Talked about their, their short yardage. So you could make Buffalo an average team in, at their worst po- possible, you know, at their worst performing uh, situations on offense and and you you're gonna see a lot of I think you see a lot of points in this game and that also uh, is why uh, I think Buffalo has an edge so I'm with you I think Buffalo you know gut feel they end up actually uh, winning this game even though I have the Chiefs as a very short favorite and that brings us to this week's coaches pep talk it comes to us from Robin Williams in the 1989 film Dead Poet Society and we're dedicating it to Josh Allen. The Latin term for that sentiment is carpe diem. Now, who knows what that means? Carpe diem. That's seize the day. Seize the day. Because we are food for worms, lads. Because believe it or not, each and every one of us in this room is one day going to stop breathing, turn cold, and die. And I'd like you to step forward over here and peruse some of the faces from the past. I don't think you've really looked at them. They're not that different from you, are they? Full of hormones, just like you. Invincible, just like you feel. The world is their oyster. They believe they're destined for great things, just like many of you. Their eyes are full of hope. Because you see, gentlemen, these boys are now fertilizing daffodils. But if you listen real close, you can hear them whisper their legacy to you. Seize the day, boys. Make your lives extraordinary. Josh Allen finds himself squarely in the Super Bowl conversation with three all-time great quarterbacks. So and that's this week's pep talk. And got one more, one more bonus question for you, Stuck, since we, this is a betting podcast. The odds for Deshaun Watson and his next team are out. Texans are even money. You have the Patriots at 10 to 1. You have the couple of the AFC East teams with uh, better than 10 to 1 odds. Uh, any thoughts on where Watson may end up in 2021? No, but if you think that he's going to end up the Jets, take a shot on the Jets, like 100-1 to to win the Super Bowl. 
just just couch just couch change. I mean, I it, it, the tough thing is they're in a tough division. Um, but uh, if he somehow ends up in Miami, oh boy, look out. Um, so if you have a gut feel on Watson and you're really strong about it, this would be like the only time I would recommend tying up money for a Super Bowl future. You should not lock up money for a whole year on something like this. But um, I think Miami is going to make a big push for him. And if they're smart, I don't know. I, I haven't I – look, Tua, I was high on. I, I haven't seen enough from him and usually see something early on. I think the Jets should do everything they can to get him. Um, but I haven't really dug into it. Um, I actually think that the Ravens should get him, but they don't have an offense built for him. But Lamar Jackson only has one more year left on his contract after next year, the Ravens are in a really tough spot. Like they, they get, they're going to have to resign a bunch of players and uh, it's going to be a tough spot. And Lamar Jackson, he's going to demand a lot of money from somebody. I don't know if the Ravens will necessarily resign him or they should. It's one of those guys where unless he shows an, like a Josh Allen increase in accuracy, his, he's not going to have a shelf life forever. Like his biggest strength is his speed is running like his, uh, he never gets hit hard, and like his, for some reason, he's never going to get hurt. But someone's going to open up their wallet for him. So I was talking with a friend the other day. I was like, "What if the Ravens went and got Deshaun Watson for next year? Got him a receiver, and they are they have a Super Bowl caliber defense already. Get Ronnie Stanley back too. So I don't know. It was just an interesting thought. Now they they won't. I mean, they'd have to trade Lamar Jackson. They're not going to have Jackson and Deshaun Watson next year. But they basically have Jackson for one more year. Um, that's just the me and a friend talking as Ravens fans. Don't take that as anything serious, but uh, how about you? What do you think? I I think that, you know, given that they hired, they kind of went and threw a curveball and hired Cesario. They're obviously enamored with that, you know, Patriot culture. And I think that you look at where, you know, he's been with New England for for 20 years in in some way, shape or form. I think he's going to negotiate and and, because this is a very touchy situation. uh, So you're going to probably need some trust there. So I would look out for the teams that he has some ties to. So the Patriots, you know, will they really be able to ever be willing to break them? They have enough, they have cap space, uh, but will they ever be willing to part with, you know, their collection of picks? Uh, Cause they'd have to give up a lot. Uh, we'll see, but I think they're in play. I think the dolphins are, as you said, in play. Um, I think they could, I think it's not out of the question for them to, to include Tua in that deal. Um, but the dolphins have draft capital. They have cap space. I think I believe they're top five in cap space. They have the Texan, you know, the high Texans pick. They have their pick. Um, so, so they're and then and then a sleeper. I mean, and then obviously the Jets, just because they have draft capital. But um, maybe a kind of a dark horse sleeper could be the 49ers. I don't I don't know if they have enough. Even West, if they release Jimmy G, they're still not in good cap. You know, not in a good spot cap wise. But you know, Shanahan had a relationship with Belichick. Does did that does that carry over? Maybe. But I do think it's going to be one of those kind of teams with a connection to, to, to New England just because you're going to need some kind of trust and you're going to need to feel like you're not getting completely fleeced um, on both sides to do this deal. So um, that, that's, that's kind of how I'm looking at it. But uh, I, I'd say pay, I, I like the Patriots at 10-1, to 1, uh, honestly, just from a value standpoint. If we're looking at straight up um, Watson odds, Super Bowl odds, I don't, I don't think I could bet the Jets even if they did get them. <laughs> so that, that's kind of how I feel about that. But uh, that was a good. This was a good one. Uh, hope you guys enjoyed it. Hope you guys have enjoyed the the whole season. We try to break down these games, give you our not just the picks, but kind of the thought process behind it. So if you disagree, you can bet the other side. Maybe you still get money. So uh, 
hopefully it's been working out for you guys. Thanks for listening. We'll be back Super Bowl week. We'll obviously have a, a great pod for you guys touch on all things Super Bowl. It's not just going to be the side in total. We know there's countless things to bet during the Super Bowl. So stay tuned for that. You can find Stucky's picks on the Action Network app at Stucky2 is his handle. Just go to the follow feature, type in Stucky and the number two, and you will find him. Type in Chris Raybon, my name. You'll find me and my picks, and you can find us on Twitter at those same handles. Good luck. Championship weekend. Let's get this money. Go Bills. We're finished talking.